Team Talk on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. I believe that Phoenix is going to take them out in Game 7 on Sunday. I think I wouldn't be surprised if it's a route. That's where I'm coming with this. We don't know how far this can go. That's why we got to play them. That's why we showed up to play this evening. Um, no one gave us a chance. A lot of people said it was going to be a blowout. Well, they were right. Um, <laughs> but they didn't have us uh, on the winning on the winning side. Well, there you go. And I know Jason Kidd, the head coach for the Dallas Mavericks, was talking about a bunch of people uh, that didn't really give the Mavs a chance in Game 7. A lot of people didn't give the Mavs a chance after they lost Games 1 and 2 by a large margin in Phoenix. And lo and behold, we've got Mavericks and Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. we got the Heat and the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, we'll talk more about that later, but let's get into what went down in Phoenix because... You know, there's head scratchers, and then there's, like, real head scratchers. And and last night's game was just that. I mean, uh, it's one thing for, for Phoenix to score 57 in the – or 27 in the first half. Uh, you give up 57, you're down 30, you're down 42 going into the fourth. What happened yesterday in the uh, the – what what do they call the the va- uh, rally in the valley? Yeah, not anymore. That that oh. might, that might have just uh, it, its expiration date might be May fifteenth, twenty twenty two. I mean, that was unthinkable going into last night. You and I it was well, a couple of weeks ago now, about a week or two ago. You and I went out to to Route sixty six Casino Hotel for the uh, the grand opening for that new Laguna Burger, and just because we were there, you know, naturally we take a look at the sports book, see what's going on. And Dallas, at that time, it was early on in these uh, second-round series. At that time, Dallas had the worst odds in the West, and they were only ahead of Phoenix, who was still without Joel Embiid. At uh, that you mean point. Uh, Philly? Philly, or, yes. Yeah, Philly, who was without Joel right. Embiid. That's how far back the Mavericks were. And when you say what happened yesterday, it's a fair question, but it was pretty much a culmination of what happened the last four games since the Suns took that 2-0 lead. All they did was was beat themselves and fall right into Dallas's traps. Okay, so we're going to hear some audio from Devin Booker, from Monty Williams, and then more uh, from Jason Kidd and uh, Luca, and so on and so forth. But Zach Lowe, who, is, uh, who does the Lowe Post podcast, okay, here is what Zach Lowe said prior to Game Seven. That was contradictory at at the very least to what Stephen A. Smith said. He he thought that Dallas had a great chance and he had concerns for the Suns going into Game Seven. This is before that game. He's been the defender. Chris Paul has been the defender on the screener in pick and rolls. The four games in which that's happened the most have been this entire season have been the last four games. So they're making him work on defense. And when he switches onto Luca, Luca is beating the hell out of him. Brunson's beating the hell out of him. I thought it was interesting they put Finney Smith on him after it had been Bullock for the most part. I think to put more size on him. I I I'm if I'm a Suns fan, I'm optimistic I'm going home. I'm optimistic my offense and, and Monty Williams talked about we need to get 
we need to use our motion and our, our actions to get to our matchups. I think they'll play more Sunsy offense, but I am worried that they're wearing Chris Paul down in this series. Well, there you go. And by the way, uh, Doncic had more points himself in the first half than the Suns did. He had 30, the Suns had 27. And you heard him mention also Jalen Brunson was going to, you know, try and beat up Chris Paul, uh, you know, defensively there. And those two guys combined for uh, 59 uh, points. And, you know, most of those points were through three quarters because in the fourth quarter, the Suns actually hung 40 to make it 123 to 90. So they only had 50 points going into the fourth quarter. I mean, uh, again, head scratcher is the the very least you could say about that. And Devin Booker was quite frank, the star for the Suns, talking about what happened was basically the worst-case scenario. Just that we lost. You know, that's the biggest thing. Um, and the, in the fashion that we, we did it in, um, you know, you can have those nights during the regular seasons and you have them here and there where a shot can't fall and they're hitting every shot. And, you know, I think it just happened to be, you know, the wrong timing on it in a game seven. And this is such an interesting time now for the Suns because the the last two years they've won more games that are, you know, the amount of games that they've won the last two years plus the bubble is beyond comprehension. Yeah. And the worst thing that's been said about the Suns this year is that they're not going to sneak up on anybody. But this is really the first time through this ascension of the Suns that there is going to be some legitimate questions that this team's going to have to answer now that it is their offseason. Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't think he oversimplified things that... Like you run into one these games sometimes in the in the regular season where uh, a really good team loses to a below average team, and that was like they, they lost to a good team. Obviously, Dallas is a good team, but but Dallas was in the zone you don't often see for a team, particularly on the road. Uh, they end up shooting fifty seven percent from the field. Uh, 49% from behind the three. That's what he's talking about. Uh, they're 19 out of 30 uh, from behind, or 19 out of 39, excuse me, from behind the three-point line. That's 49% uh, the Suns were. Um, so at one end, you have a team that is red hot. Uh, you got Doncic, you got Bronch, uh, Bron- uh, Brunson, uh, Jalen Brunson, uh, and then you got um, Spencer Dinwiddie off the bench who is just on fire himself. He's 11 of 15 from the field. So those three guys, like, you know, one of them's 11 of 19, the other's 12 of 19, the other's 11 of 15. I mean, goodness, uh, Sam. I mean, and a lot of them were threes. Yeah, that's exactly how you have to go in that situation. That's how you win that. uh, That's how you win game seven. Game seven on the road in Phoenix. That's exactly how you do it. It's it's formulaic. Kind of like what we do every day. You know, we're 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 singing we're singing songs, we're playing tunes. It's all a formula. It's all we all know what it's going to be. It's just a matter of what are you going to do that's going to separate yourself from everybody else. And what the Suns have done for the last two years is just not not this like th- this the especially in the losses. But I mean, really, we're just focusing on last night because it was such an anomaly. 
I mean, that that team was unrecognizable. Like, yeah, you can look at what Luka and Jalen Brunson and Spencer did when he did and kind of combine that and use the same argument that we made in in, uh, in the closeout game in the finals last year when Giannis has that game that he does and nobody was going to beat the Bucks that night. You could, you know maybe you can make that case in in Phoenix's defense, but that was just as that that was as bad a beatdown as you could draw up. And you know uh, Doncic was was very good, but he didn't have to do it himself at all. Uh, I mean they got help from those other areas, and and quite frankly we saw. Guys missing a whole lot of shots. That's when when they were blaming Doncic. I'm like, forget about blaming him. Put some guys around him that can make some shots. Well, the guys around him obviously made enough shots during the regular season for them to be, I think, the fifth seed. Uh, and they came to play. And you know, Dallas ends up, despite being down zero uh, to two in the series, that comes back and wins the game. Nine nine four one zero one seven nine nine four one zero one seven. If you've got any thoughts. And you watched any of these uh, NBA playoff games? I mean, we have quite a Final Four. I mean, I've, I think you know you you gotta uh, figure. You know, you could talk about the the Bucks, but they don't have Chris Middleton, obviously. Uh, but you know, you right now you you got what I think are are the the four best teams uh, in the Final Four: nine nine four one zero one seven nine nine four one zero one seven. Here was Monty Williams on Booker and Paul stumbling in that finish line in that game. I mean, they've carried us all season long. Um, I've told the coaches this before. These guys see every defense. They have three or four guys running at them every night. When they have off nights or missed shots, they still find ways to contribute. And uh, I told them both, and I will tell them again, like I, I told the whole team, I'm proud of the way we finished the game. And uh, that's that's an indicator as to who they are. They didn't have their best stuff tonight, but that happens. I mean, the the best players in the league have those nights. You know, I I, I probably rode these guys too much uh, this year. You know, from a minute standpoint, from expectation standpoint, and they want that. Um, we we all just had an off night. Yeah, and that's you know. But basically, the bottom line, you, you look at some of the numbers for the starters for the the Suns, uh, Bridges, 3 of 11, uh, Jake Crowder, 2 of 9, uh, Aiton only attempted 5 shots, he made 2 of them, but, but Booker, uh, 3 of 14, and, you know, Paul only 4 for 8, but he didn't uh, attempt that many shots. All right, Joseph, your thoughts on uh, the Suns and where they're at, and the Mavs are moving on to play the Warriors. All right, thanks for taking my call. Um, I was just really shocked how bad and how just unprepared the Suns were last night. And, I mean, that game was over at halftime. And, he, and people were talking about Chris Paul being 0-4-5 in the playoffs and giving up being up to zero and losing the series. I was just shocked how unprepared they were the whole game. Well, uh, thanks, Joseph. Appreciate the call, 994-1017, 994-1017. I mean, he said it twice, uh, Sam. He was shocked. He was shocked. And, yeah, I think that's a great way to put it, uh, Joseph, is uh, unprepared. I don't know uh, if that's what I would use. Like, uh, I mean, unprepared kind of puts more of the burden on the, on, on the coaching staff, and maybe they should own it. Uh, you heard, you know, the the uh, – Zach Lowe talking about how, you know, the Mavs have figured out a way to make 
you know, Chris Paul go over screens and, and guard guys that he probably didn't want to be guarding and rather, you know, be off the ball. But somehow, you know, Dallas did that. But it was game seven. I mean, by that time, you pretty much know uh, each team pretty well, don't you, Sal? Yeah, and and that's and that's always going to play a factor in, in a series. And it is, you know, I, I can understand it coming off as strong words, but I tend to side with Joseph on that one. I mean, we just, there weren't enough adjustments as Dallas is doing everything to give itself advantages in their the way their perimeter defense got better as the series got along. They played, you know, they they played tight on these guys. They didn't give Phoenix the room like the when when everything's going well with Paul and Booker and everybody else, that ball is being passed in a way that nobody else can touch it. It's like an elite quarterback the way that Chris Paul can pass the ball when he's on. But when things weren't going right, I mean, you saw how quickly that series shifted when it went back to Dallas and the the way that we're talking about this series the entire time leading up to game 7 yesterday is eh phoenix is the better team you know good for dallas they they figured it out at home but phoenix is the better team but there was not nearly enough adjusting that phoenix did like i i i think I think the place that I would go as far as putting it too far would be Phoenix taking anything for granted because a Monty Williams coach team is never going to go that far. But I don't think it's unfair to say that they weren't that they didn't put themselves in a position to to actually be the better team. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got it when it's when things are like going the way that they they were there in the middle of the second quarter i mean whether it's continuing to burn timeouts you know using every timeout you can at that point whether it's maybe monty williams getting a technical foul or something like that you just got to be trying to pull a rabbit out of the hat because nothing was going right they needed something to happen to maybe try to to flip things and then you know over the course of the next quarter and a half you know whittle it down to 15 or 12 points and give yourself a shot going into the fourth quarter uh not the case at all as uh you know phoenix only has 50 points and what i think is uh the pressure too like you said when when things flipped when you know the mavs won those two games in dallas like the pressure started to you know, become a factor, I think, for Phoenix, and they look tight, and, you know, the starters, again, I, I talked about how poor they shot the ball. They were 2 of 16, the starters, for the Phoenix from behind the three-point line. Uh, a lot of good looks, too, from my vantage point, um, but, hey, let's, you know, let's give uh, the Mavericks a lot of credit here, and so, and let's give Doncic a lot of credit here, too. I mean, um, he, uh, you know, here here's Jason Kidd talking about the night that uh, they needed from the players around Luca. Yeah, I thought Spencer came in and was aggressive right off the bat. He didn't wait. There was carryover from Game Six, um, and and I thought not just Luca being out, but we ended with JB um, out out in that second quarter, um, and so I, I thought Spencer was incredible um, for us off the bench. Uh, but I, I thought again, it's a great team win on a and against one of, the, if not the best team in in basketball um, this season, um, to come in on the road um, and find a way to win. But it was a, a great team win. Everybody had something to do with it, but Luca set the tone. Um, but Spencer came off the bench and gave us a big lift. Yeah, and Spencer did witty. He played at. University of Colorado. He's a buff, and I and played against the Lobos uh, at different times. I know that. Uh, yeah, you know he. That's who he's talking about there. So after game two, and the Mavs were 
down and out after a couple of 10 or 12 point losses in Phoenix, people are starting to second guess, man, you know, it might be hard to be playing with Luka Doncic. Okay. Here's Seth Greenberg on like that concern that he had for uh, the Mavericks organization. They need another player, but they also probably, when they get that next guy, Jay Wilder, he's going to have to change a little bit. As good as Luka is, he's going to have to change a little bit. The ball can't get stuck because they end up a lot of times with four guys watching one, and he makes – the first half was a joke. I mean, it was a joke. The shots yeah, he's making, the plays he's making, his footwork, his fearlessness. But you get another superstar, and – that superstar is going to hold him accountable to check people also. Look, I love his game. I mean, like I, lo- I mean, it's old school, tough, physical. He's so strong. He's so patient. But I go back to, yeah, they do it. I agree with you. They need another superstar or another guy that he can rely on going to get in 2022. But he's got to check someone, man. I mean, because in the second half, uh, they wore him out. And that was great. That was great coaching. Let's face it. You know, mm. how do you defend Luka Doncic? You make him defend every single uh-huh. possession, and, and, and you wear him down. That's what happened in the second half. Well, I, I can't argue that they need to put another star around him. I will argue that somebody needs to, to get him checked because what I see is a superstar that actually puts the team first. Doncic, I think, gets as much gratification of making an assist and seeing his teammates score as he does himself. So... Uh, you know, it just, again, this is after they had lost the two games in Phoenix. I, I'd be curious to, to see if he still thought that because I, the way I see it, Sam, is every guy on his team can't get him the ball quick enough. <laughs> like, it's like, why would we mess around and do anything differently? Because it's going to come back to us and he's going to really, really work uh, that particular possession. He'll c- keep his dribble alive and inevitably they're getting a lot of nice shots. Jeff Van Gundy, you know, a great analyst, probably my favorite. Here's what he said after the Mavs had lost two games in a row. I think the heavy ball dominant guard, I mean, he's gone one step above James Harden for ball dominance, even back when James Harden was with Houston. And I think Doncic is the hardest guy to guard in the league now. Like, I think he's that good. I'm mesmerized by the talent. And yet, I ask myself when I watch just how difficult it must be to play on that team because you get the ball so infrequently and you know it's going to be a high pick and roll with Doncic. If it's a switch, it's going to be an ISO. It's not that he doesn't pass the ball. He does pass the ball. But that dominance of the ball in one person's hands, I'm not sure exactly how you surround that player the very best other than to have shooting and you know, as many defensive-minded players as you can. But I don't have a perfect guy because how would you fit in offensively with Doncic? I think it's difficult. All right. Well, I'd be curious again to hear what they have to say as the Mavs have moved on to the Western Conference Finals. We will. Uh, they're playing Golden State. Uh, that that uh, series kicks off Wednesday night. Tomorrow, uh, the Celtics are headed to Miami for that game. We'll have that game for you here on 1017 The Team. We are here until 7 o'clock, by the way, and then we've got D-backs and Dodgers right here on 1017 The Team. Looking forward to Scott Galetti joining us in the 6 o'clock hour. By the way, how about Scott Galetti? Doubleheader action on Saturday. He does the uh, State 5A Baseball Championship game, a game uh, where Carl's back 
had knocked off Sandia, I believe, 7-0. Uh, and then uh, he is on the call for United's win in Charleston over uh, the weekend, Saturday night. It was Scott Galetti filling in for Adam Deal and Andy Hageman. He and uh, Andy did a great job on the call. So want to make sure we recognize Scott uh, for uh, the job he did all weekend long. We'll have him in the 6 o'clock hour. But when we come back, we've got Jeff Grammer from the Albuquerque Journal. We're going to get caught up on these two transfer portal uh, players that Lobo Men's Basketball is looking forward to having to come to town. I'm, I'm certainly excited about them. And when we come back, Jeff Grammer, Albuquerque Journal next. Team Talk, ESPN Radio, 101.7 The Team.